When it comes to facing life, especially our challenges, we are inundated with metaphors of fighting. We have to conquer our problems, overcome challenges, and prove our mettle. And these ideas can leave us resisting everything in life and grasping for something better than we have. But what if there were another way in life, one that opened us up to a natural kind of magic? This week, we are exploring the magic of surrender with Coot Blackson. He is going to share his personal journey into surrender and help us navigate our lives with more power than just fighting alone can give us. Big ideas. Bold action. I'm really excited to introduce you to our next guest, Coot Blackson. Coot is a transformational teacher and a national best-selling author of the book, You Are the One, and the forthcoming book, The Magic of Surrender. Coot, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Now, Coot, you and I have an a, a extensive history uh, with We Rise Up, the movie, and, and you've participated a lot in that conversation. And, you know, so in, in our, our foundational conversation, I would say, is around purpose. And I know that was a big part of, of You Are the One. And I, what I'm really curious about is what is the shift in gears? You know, what is the thing that precipitated this, this, uh, this idea of surrender and, and really bringing that to us as a, as a, as a conversation? You know, uh, it wasn't something I planned. It wasn't something I thought about. It wasn't something I strategized about. It wasn't something I had any idea was coming. In fact, The Magic of Surrender was not the book I thought I was going to write. I had other plans, but the universe had other plans. And uh, the process of the book itself took me through a journey of surrendering to the book itself so that the book could come through, you know. And so I think what I found is some of, sometimes the best things that happen to us in life or most of the best things, the people we meet, the loves we fall in love with, the amazing things that happen, I really tend not to be the things we expected or the things we planned or the things we even thought about, you know. And they, they just kind of, they unfold, they they happen, they they reveal themselves. And so... Uh, how the book really, I, I would say the genesis or the beginning seed of the book happened uh, three and a half years ago. My mother was, uh, my mother passed away. So about four and a half years ago, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Again, totally unexpected, uh, on, on the surface, a terrible event, something very tragic, something very sad. Um, for an entire year from 2000, I would say 16, 2017, I was flying back and forth from Los Angeles to London to be with her literally every month for five, six days to be with her during her chemo, taking her to treatments, taking care of her, just being with her, loving her, spending time with her. And, you know, what started off as a very sad, intense, sort of grief-stricken time, there was, I was angry, I, I, I was frustrated, I was resistant, I didn't want her to die, in all of these things. And honestly it turned out to be the most sacred, most magical, the most uh, beautiful year, the best year of my entire life. I got to spend time with this woman who I was already very close to. I got to just sit with her for eight hours during chemo treatments, just talking about everything and nothing and, and just watching her make tea and having cookies with her and like the simple things of life. And so it was so beautiful to just be with her during that process and just connect that deeply. And I think by the end of the year, when she was, I would say eight months into the process, I really felt this profound acceptance, but a deep surrender, the type of surrender that made me feel like 
I was so thankful and grateful to cancer for gifting me this opportunity with my mother. And during this year, uh, I saw my mother. She never complained one time. She didn't cry one time. I remember about eight months into it, nine months into it, the doctors told her that none of your chemo treatments are working. They said that there's no use doing surgery because you basically you're going to die, so get your affairs in order. I'll never forget the moment the doctors told her, basically, there's nothing you, we can do. I was in the car. I was taking my mother home. I was in the car with her. She's just been told, you're going to die very soon. Could be days, could be weeks, could be months. It's not years. So make the most of the moments you have. I mean, this is a very intense moment, a very vulnerable moment. And I mean, I was very emotional. And I turned to my mother and I said, are you afraid? I mean, most people are afraid. I mean, it's easy to, easy to talk about how, how infinite we are and how we're all one, part of oneness when everything is great, but when you're literally about to die faced with your mortality, it's another ball game. And this beautiful Japanese, little Japanese woman, she looked me in the eyes and she said, uh, I'm not afraid. I know I'm not just, I'm not simply, who I am is not simply this body. What I am is an eternal consciousness, an eternal spirit. This is just, I'm just traveling through this life and I will be with you throughout eternity from the other side. And I looked at her and she had such a knowing, a fearlessness and a peace in her eyes that it was shocking. You know, it was, it was surprising. It was, it was just inspiring. And being the good son, I wanted to be a good son. And I said, mom, what can, what can I do for you? Can I help you? Can I, can I buy you? What, 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 what are your last, what, what can I do for you to make you happy for the time you have left? Expecting her to give me a list of requests. And she simply says, there's nothing that I need. There's nothing that I want. She, and I said, so what do you want? She said to me, and this is really where I, I say the beginning of the book started to reveal itself. She simply said, I just want what God wants for my life. I was like, whoa, I just want what the universe, what life wants, what God wants, you know, for my life. And I realized in that moment, her, her level of peace was because she was in such non-resistance and such surrender to her process, the process for her soul. And this was part of her soul's journey. And, and once she passed away, I really reflected on her life. I really reflected on her entire life. She married an African man who she, couldn't, who, who she didn't know, who proposed to her sight unseen. She never met. She accepted the proposal. She went to, from Japan straight to Ghana, couldn't speak English, never left the country, never met a foreigner because her soul guided her to everything she chose to do in her life. And I didn't really appreciate it because she was just my mother, but everything she chose to do in her life was a deep level of surrender. She was surrendered to whatever her soul was guiding her to do. Then I looked at the great ones, you know, whether it's Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Greta Thunberg, Malaya Yousafzai, who, you know, whichever, whoever the great ones we think of as great. And I really saw that on some level, they were able to tap into a deeper level of greatness and possibility and manifestation and impact, not because of their own willpower, not because of their own human personality brilliance, they were able to tap into and shake the world and move the world because each of them surrendered. They surrendered to something bigger than themselves, a bigger purpose, a bigger vision, a bigger level of service. They surrendered to, they surrendered themselves and their lives to be lived 
by life itself. And as a result of surrendering to their Dharma and their purpose and their calling, it's almost as though I saw that they were able to tap into another level, another level of possibility, another le level of potential that was more than their own human capacity. Look at, look at Gandhi. Gandhi moved nations. You know, he, he, he was able to move a nation. Look at, look at uh, Martin Luther King, you know, in terms of shifting the civil rights movement. And, and, and look at Mandela, you know, bringing down apartheid. I mean, this is not just one man's power. It's not just a human level. They tapped into something more through the surrender. It was through the surrender that I believe life, the universe, God, the divine, the infinite intelligence moved through them. They tapped into another level of power that flowed through them and guided them. And, I, and, and, and that's what I thought was really, really, really powerful. And I really feel like we are moving as a humanity into a a new way of being. 2020, last year, was, was an intense year. We were just talking about how, what an intense year it was for, I would say all of us, unless you may be Jeff Bezos, who you made double the amount of money, or Elon Musk, but for everyone, for most of us, 98% of humanity, it was an intense year. We all started with our own plans for our year. You know, we had all these great plans. We're going to do this. We're going to achieve this. This is going to happen. January, February, boom, COVID hits, pandemic hits, shit falls apart, life falls apart, plans fall apart, dreams fall apart, things that we had no idea, unexpected. And to me, that was just, we were thrown into a global process of surrender. We were thrown into a global surrender seminar. So if someone thinks, well, I surrender, what the hell does that have to do with me? I'm not screwed. That's for the yogis out in the mountain. That's for the Dalai Lama. That's for, you know, Eckhart Tolle. That's for Ramana Maharishi. That's for those guys in India. We all are living in a process of surrender and that process is called life. And if there's anything that I think the last year has been showing us, the universe reminding us, Hey, you guys, 8 billion people, 7 billion people, you thought you were in control of your life? Just a reminder, you guys aren't in control of very much. I mean, obviously, what we get to control are how we respond to life, what we get to control are the meanings and the stories we make up about events that are happening. But we can't control the government. We can't control the country. We can't control the weather. We, 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 can't, we can't control our spouse. We can't control our kids. I mean, we can do our best to influence, but... There's only so much control we really have. And I think last year was a profound reminder of how not in control we are, but a profound opportunity for us to, I think, uh, practice surrender through acceptance. And to me, what I find is the first step is, yes, we have to start with acceptance. Acceptance is one level, but surrender is a whole nother level beyond. You know, acceptance is where you're like, okay, this is what is. But you can, someone can still be in a moment of acceptance and, and still be resisting. You can be like, okay, this is what it is, but I'm still pissed off. And what it is shouldn't be what it is. And internally still be judging the process, even though you've accepted it. It's kind of like going, it's, it, imagine if it's raining outside and you have to accept it's raining. So you're moaning and groaning and complaining and you go outside with an umbrella, but you're still pissed off that it's raining uh, versus accepting that it's raining. And to me, surrender is the full participation, open-hearted part participation with what's happening so that you are able to use 
what's happening for your highest good, for your evolution. You know, so if it's raining outside, rather than complaining and resisting, you could maybe spend time cuddling with your kids or spend time with your spouse at home and, and connecting and talking. Or maybe you make a fireplace and a dinner inside and you really open-heartedly participate with what's happening because at the deepest part, I really believe the universe is always working for our highest good, even if we can't see it right now. The universe is always seeking for our highest evolution, even our soul's evolution, even though we're not able to see it sometimes in the moment when life is falling apart. And so uh, I think that we are moving into a new way of being as a humanity, a new era as a humanity. You know, the old way was make your life happen, control your life, manifest your life, make shit happen, push, force. But I think we're being initiated as a humanity into a new way of being, another way of being, a more organic, a more aligned, a more in tune with nature, a more in tune with our own beingness, a more in tune with life, a more in tune with the way of things, a way of surrender. Surrender doesn't mean laziness. Surrender doesn't mean inaction. Surrender doesn't mean you do nothing. Surrender means you show up. Surrender means you take the conditions off of life. It means you stop trying to force life to be what you think it should be based on your limited expectation and try to kind of control life and manipulate life. And I think surrender means that you show up fully, you give your best, you let go of the attachment to the outcome, and you really enjoy the process and trust that whatever shows up, knowing that you've given your best, is for your highest good and evolution. And, and so it's the courage to let go and embrace what's unfolding. Yeah, which is exactly what your mother demonstrated to you, right? She was your a great master at the end of her days. That's um, she was, you know, she uh, honestly, she was a real. I say she was an enlightened being that I, I actually didn't even know she was an enlightened being because you know sometimes we have this idea that oh, enlightened beings could have a beard and a robe and you know levitating on a mountaintop and doing all these crazy miracles and you know I thought my dad who was look my father was a miracle man of a miracle worker. I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear. So I had this idea that my father was the great one. But I realized, wow, what makes us great as human beings is not what we have or that we have great followers or that we're able to perform great miracles. But what makes us great is the degree to which we can surrender ourselves to the flow of life, surrender ourselves to being used by life, surrender ourselves to the highest expression in the moment, you know, surrender ourselves to living out integrity and truth. And I saw my mother did this in such simple and small ways in her life. And I realized this is what made her truly great. And so I think we, we can all surrender. You know, we sometimes think that surrender is weak. Like if, so, so I really want to, you know, I'm proposing a new way for us as humanity. It's not really a new way, but we've gotten so conditioned to hustling and grinding and crushing it and forcing it and pushing it that I think we've lost touch as a humanity with operating in flow with nature, you know, operating in harmony with nature that we've tried to override the energy. We've tried to override nature. We tried to override our nature. We tried to override the flow of life and the way life is going by forcing and manipulating. And so I'm just proposing a new way, you know, a new possibility. So we thought surrender is weak. We th we've, we've been conditioned to think that if we surrender, 
things won't work out. If we surrender, we won't get what we want. If we surrender, uh, we're going to be broke. If we surrender, we're going to be taken advantage of. If we surrender, that means giving up. I'm actually saying no. Surrender is actually the most powerful, courageous thing that we can do. To surrender is a demonstration of our courage. It's a demonstration of our true trust, true trust in life itself. When we surrender, we bring ourselves into the flow. When we surrender, and, and surrender might be, just so people are clear, it doesn't have to be some, some esoteric, you know, concept, you know, chanting namaste with incense. It doesn't have to look anything like that. Surrender might mean if you're in a relationship, and maybe you know that relationship is no longer aligned. It's no longer right. You're not growing anymore. You're not evolving anymore. You're not connected anymore. You've outgrown that relationship. And surrender is the willingness to tell the truth to yourself that perhaps it's time to leave and to surrender to the most authentic truth in your heart. Surrender might look like if you're in a job and maybe, you, you, maybe you're successful in this job and you make money and you're surviving, you're more than surviving and, you, and, you, and, and people love you and they look up to you and, and you're a hero in your industry, but perhaps you know you're no longer growing in this job. You know, sometimes success can be a trap. So surrender might mean have finding the courage to let go of that situation, of that job, of that position, because your soul is guiding you somewhere else as a way to express your purpose, your true calling in this lifetime that perhaps you've been resisting because you've been uh, attached to a form of survival, you know, material survival. And so surrender might mean finding the courage to say, it's time to do what I'm here to do on this planet and leave my situation. And so surrender could mean different things to different people. Surrender might mean the willingness to say, this, uh, this addictive pattern that I am cycling in over and over and over again is no longer working for me, is no longer working for where I'm seeking to go and having the courage to be really honest about that and not pretend to yourself anymore that, ah, it's okay, I can handle it. You know, surrender takes courage. So surrender is not being passive necessarily. Surrender is not laziness. Surrender means showing up fully, taking full responsibility and make, being willing to make the choice that your soul knows, that is, is in deepest alignment with your truth, which sometimes is not always convenient, uh, but, but I think we know deep down inside. You know, I, I'm sure it wasn't convenient for Martin Luther King to have the willingness to lead the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King wanted to live a quiet life with his kids and the church he had, you know, but they were pushing him to lead the civil rights movement and he resisted for a moment. He had to surrender to the bigger calling, but he knew that that bigger calling might be dangerous, but he, he had to surrender to this deeper impulse that was moving and guiding him. Mandela had to surrender. I'm sure he didn't plan and write in his journal and have a wish to spend 27 years in prison. Can you imagine 27 years in prison? This is like, it's crazy, you know? I mean, I think, I mean, here we are in quarantine or somewhat quarantine or lockdown-ish kind of, depending on where in the world you are, for one year, one year. And, and you know, it, it's, it's crazy. 27 years in a confined little jail cell. You know, here at least we can zoom and we can go out and we can still travel somewhat here or there and drive around. 
Mandela in a little prison cell for 27 years. Can you imagine the level of surrender that he must have had? And so surrender can look different ways to different people. But I believe that surrender is the password to freedom and surrender is what, what, op- what brings us in, in alignment and in tune with grace. You mentioned, uh, you know, this year's we've gone through in 2020 and how challenging that's been for people in different ways. Um, and it occurs to me that, that many of us are experiencing life and maybe for the first time as being something that's not going well. You know, maybe we had, you know, health issues or, you know, employment issues. You know, we, our, our businesses collapsed or we lost jobs or, um, these, you know, these kinds of things happened this last year. We've had a huge amount of, uncovering of inequality um, and and then kind of being confronted by you know our own own role in that uh, with with women and 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 issues of of people of color um, and then we we look at our our political systems all over the world not just the United States but all over the world and we see the, again the kind of this turmoil and and conflict and you know uh, vehement disagreement not not um, not uh, mannered disagreement, but really vehement disagreement. And then we look at, at you know, climate change is no longer a, a, is climate change happening to us? It's it's really kind of shocking to many of us now the impacts of of the climate crisis. And you know, so so here we are in 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 some not the best of times of things going on for humanity. And the the question I have for you is, do you believe? that the universe, that God, that life is working to bring us to a new level to have the, have us beyond uh, evolve beyond some of these conflicts is, is, and then part of that process of surrendering, like can't, or like maybe the problem here is that we're trying to force our way through these problems versus allowing uh, the universe to move through us. And I love the thing you said, you know, that, that the life is moving through you. Um, you know, like help us understand this current circumstances in light of surrender. The current circumstances are, of course, delicate, raw, real, to be taken seriously um, because they impact so many different groups of people and humanity and, you know, need to be dealt with, you know, Systemic racism needs to be dealt with. Inequality between men and women, genders, need to be dealt with. Um, So that we can bring our society back into a authentic harmony. Um, In light of surrender, you know, to kind of tie it all together. um, Here's what I would say from a sort of macro then micro is I I believe that we live in a three-dimensional world. This reality that we live in is three-dimensional. It's the 3D. This realm of existence is a realm of duality. It's just the nature of life. And so I think it helps to just understand for a moment a simple perspective on the nature of life, the nature of existence, the nature of reality. 
Because I think when we understand the nature of reality, it shifts, it begins to give us a different relationship with what's happening in reality. We live in duality. There, to me, there, in duality, there is no perfection out here. This is not the realm of utopia perfection. We won't find perfection at the level of the 3D, the level of duality, the level of the world, the level of this physical domain, the level of this material world. This world is constantly evolving, constantly changing, creation, destruction. This world is impermanent, is transitory, is temporary. And so when we try to find a utopia in this existence, it doesn't exist. And I think when we can come to a place of acceptance of the nature of duality, nature of duality is up down, black, white, good, bad, positive, negative, male, female, rich, poor, yin, yang, is the nature of duality. Whether we like, it, it's physics, it's the Tao, it's the wholeness value of existence. And so on some level, it's, it's the cosmic dance that is happening, it's the physics of creation that's happening that is pulsating, yin, yang, black, white, up, down, that is keeping all of this existence going. When we understand that, we can move into a slightly different relationship and acceptance of what's happening. There's never going to be total peace here. There's never going to be total utopia here. And when we understand that, it's okay. It is what it is. It's part of the human domain. The true dimension of perfection is within us. The true dimension of perfection is at the level of our soul, the level of our spirit, the level of our consciousness, the level of our being, the transcendental dimension of what we all are. You, me, Muhammad Ali, Oprah, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, at the deepest level, beyond personality, beyond duality, we are all one, we are all the same, we are all consciousness, we are all perfect, whole, complete, at that level. So when we can, I think, understand, okay, the nature of the world is not perfect, it is what it is. It's up, it's down, it's messy, it's this, it's that, personalities are screwed up and they're messed up and it's just life. Then I think we, we don't have to, we can shift our relationship with what is to come into a place of acceptance of what is within ourselves so that we stop judging and resisting what is. And inside of ourselves, when we can stop judging and resisting and, and, and projecting our judgment on what is, that shifts our relationship with, with what is from one of resistance to acceptance. Then, when we're no longer uh, resisting the physics of life, that actually frees us up to be in relationship with what is happening then we can truly be in relationship with what is happening. I'm not denying what is happening. Then we can be in relationship with what is happening. And when we can be in relationship with what is unfolding, what is happening, what has happened for centuries, without resistance, we can look at it for what it is. And then we can, from a place of non-reactivity, decide what to do. 
from a place of non-reactivity affect change, from a place of non-reactivity say, okay, this is not working for humanity, let's make a shift, let's make a change, let's shift the system. But I find that when we, from a place of, from a place of reaction, from a place of ego, from a place of identity, from a place of judgment, try to make change from that place, what we tend to do and what we've tended to do as a society and as a culture is when we change from that place of ego or, or reaction or pain, we tend to reinforce the very thing we're trying to shift, which then energetically perpetuates the cycle of what we're trying to change. And so acceptance doesn't mean, oh, it is just the way it is then we just should continue and allow racism to continue. That's not what I'm saying. But when we can say, well, there will be racism to a degree on this planet. There's no perfection out here. We don't expect perfection out here. We can look at it for what it is, accept it for what it is. It's a realm of duality. We incarnate and understand that as souls, we incarnate into this zone of limitation so that we can grow and evolve so that we can learn less, the purpose of life, we incarnate so that we can learn lessons and resolve our karma and evolve into, through the limitation and evolve into the, the highest dimension of ourselves, realizing who and what we really are, which is infinite. So we are here through limitation to, to evolve and realize our own unlimited nature. Through limitation. How do we realize our true unlimited nature it, it, unless there's some limitation to move through? So when we can expand our consciousness, realize life is, life is simply a, uh, an ever, this life we're living, which is not perfect, is simply an evolutionary vehicle for our souls to evolve. And every single situation, every single dynamic, every single experience is really a classroom for, for our evolution. Then I think it, again, we can come into acceptance and surrender Whatever the situation, whatever the experience, whatever the whatever the the dynamic, whatever the relationship, so that we can engage in the situation, the relationship, the experience differently, not from resistance, but from acceptance of what's really going on, you know. And and so I think I think from that perspective, it can shift how we handle it. And so when I you know I spent a lot of time around yogis and enlightened beings. Many, many years ago, I started going to India, you know, 20 years ago. And I would see many of the yogis and enlightened masters totally at, they were at peace with the way things were. You know, they looked at the world. Here I was crying. Oh my God, this shouldn't be that way. And that shouldn't be this way. And that shouldn't be that way. And they, these guys were just totally at peace, to but truly at peace. And I realized they were in total acceptance of the nature of this domain. That doesn't mean they weren't trying to feed the children. That doesn't mean they weren't trying to, you know, build hospitals. Some of these guys were so at peace. And here I was crying and judging it shouldn't be this way. And they were so at peace. But they were, they were also building hospitals, building schools, educating the kids. But, but, but it wasn't from a place of conditioned sympathy, conditioned identity. It was different. And, and I think when we were able to, to, to kind of shift our relationship then I think we can become more impactful. You know, we can, we, can, we can affect change even more because we're not going against something. We're not, we're not coming from a againstness or a place of separation. And so that's what I would say from a, 
bigger perspective. I love what you're saying around identity. So when something out there in the world is not right, um, it, it, it's really easy to see, hey, that's kind of a, 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 an acceptance level. Hey, I get that's not right. The children need to be fed. They don't need to be starving and they need a school. That's very different than feeling, having it collapse into your personal identity. I am shocked and outraged that children are starving the street. Or you said, I'm crying about this thing. You know, it, it, that the external thing is the way that we identify ourselves. How, and it's often I have to say about looking good. You know, like I, I feel bad for homeless people because if I don't, it doesn't look good for me to not feel like if I didn't have, like if I didn't have this thing. And that's true of every single um, like identity politics group that we have. There's a certain kind of uh, virtue signaling that we've got to do to say that, hey, I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm part of this thing. But what you're talking about is very different. Authentic, if it's not authentic, you know? I mean, even around diversity, you can create, and this is, a, don't want to go up, on too much of a tangent, but if you're just bringing diversity to virtue signal or diversity to just show that you are, you know, being diverse, is that real, is that true inclusiveness and truly embracing someone or is it just a way of reinforcing your ego? You know, re really, you know, really. And so uh, I think we get to expand. And you know, I even, I even like to, I don't, I'm not saying I have the answer, but, I think we have to also question when we say right and wrong, not right. That's not right. According to whom? That's not right. According to what? To really understand our identity, and I want to get don't want to get too out there here, but I think it's worth at least going down a rabbit hole of questioning. Because if we don't question, then we're stuck in our small little domain. When we say not right, according to whom? According to what? The mechanism that is judging experience as right and wrong is our limited identity, our limited ego, which is conditioned by past, by parents, by culture, by culture, by society, by media, by our pain, by our trauma, by our hurt. So our little identity is now living inside of a tightly wound little prison personality. And through that prism is looking at experience and through that is determining, based on a level of conditioning and consciousness, what's right and what's not right. But just because we're, we're looking at something as right and not right doesn't mean that is the reality. It's just our interpretation. Because what you might consider right, and we get so righteous about our rightness, which then limits us. And so I think we have to be willing to surrender right and wrong to a degree. You know, because what might be right for you in one cult, from your culture, may not be right for someone in a different culture. Is it right or is it wrong? You know, and, and so uh, we are only through the lens of our own ego, we are only able to see, based on, see reality based on the level of our consciousness. And typically, we don't see the total picture in the masterpiece of life. From our lens of our ego, we see a small corner of the painting and we make judgments based on life situations, the way it should be, the way it shouldn't be. 
But we don't see the entire tapestry of the entire infinite artwork and the total interconnectivity of karmic possibilities and how every person is interacting, the interacting dynamic. And, and you know, we could just keep going. We don't see all of that. We just see like, ah, not right. That's right. That's good. That's bad. But that's why Rumi said, out beyond the field of right and wrong, I will meet you there. You know, and so I think we have to surrender constantly projecting right and wrong, even letting go of this idea that what we know, I think that's another thing just to really be free. We have to surrender this idea that what well, I know and, and be willing to embrace the unknown, because many times we constantly go into relationships, situations and experience with this already with this idea of like we already know what is. I already know who you're going to be. I've been in, let's say I've been in a relationship with my, 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 my girlfriend for a while. I already know who she is. And so then there's no space for, for, for that person to show up any differently from what I'm already projecting onto her. So to, to, to have the courage to give up knowing everything. Many times we think we know, we hold on to that knowing, we end up limiting, and as we hold on to that knowing, we end up limiting the bigger possibility of life. Because no, we think we know what this relationship is. We think we know what this situation means. We think we know what is, but many times what we think is, is not. And so I think when we can live in a state of, what I'm saying even around surrender is to be able to live in a state of openness. Like, I don't know, but I'm available. Not I don't know from a place of victimhood, I don't know, so, so let me be curious what could be, what, what this could mean for my life. I don't know, but let me be curious. Like many times when things don't work out, we sometimes collapse and get disappointed. I'm saying when things don't work out, sometimes this is the infinite grace of the universe. Because <laughs> it's only usually in retrospect that we look back and go, wow, I'm so glad that relationship didn't work out even though I really wanted it to be. I'm so glad that job didn't work out even, and I got fired from that even though in the moment I thought I knew what it was and I, well, I wanted it to be. And so we have to start realizing, wow, I, I, I don't know. And I think when, we, when we're able to live in the unknown, embrace the unknown, there's a great freedom because then we can be open and we can be curious. We can be open to life, to allowing life to reveal itself to us rather than being living closed, like I already know. Then there's no space for more of life. Then we can also be open to allowing ourselves to be guided and led. And so what I'm proposing in surrender is a different way of living rather than forcing and imposing our that forcing the energy of life, we instead allow ourselves to be guided. Allowing ourselves to be guided, which means attuning, which means listening, which means following the clues. In fact, it is a shift to a degree, which I see the shift happening in our culture as the sort of patriarchal uh, structures are being questioned and coming down, even through the Me Too movement and a lot that's happening we are being invited to embrace and a reintegration of the feminine inside of our culture, equality of the feminine, the feminine within ourselves. You know? and, and so I think the ability to dance in the unknown without the rigid structure of the masculine, hyper-masculine way of being is I think uh, an evolution for us. And so I'm just saying, 
What if we allowed ourselves to be guided? Allowed life to guide us. That's the invitation. What I'm saying is, when you surrender, instead of being afraid that you might get less, I'm saying, what if you got more? More than you could imagine. More love, more bliss, more, more. Because whatever we create with our mind, you know, whatever we manifest with our mind's uh, capacity, I'm not saying it can't be good, but it will always be limited to a degree because the mind itself is limited to past experience. But I think when we can stay open and, and, and trusting and not limit and, and, and allow life to, to guide us, allow life to reveal itself through us, then we're not limited to ourselves and we're not limited to our mind. We're not limited to, to what can manifest through us because we're not limited to our past. We're fully living in this moment and allowing the, the, the magic of the moment to, to be revealed. If we allow ourselves, when we listen for the life, when we listen for the universe and allow ourselves to be guided, then we can make more impact than we ever wanted to make. Then like, sometimes we have an impact like, oh, I wanna make a difference about this. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't wanna make a difference about that. You should make plans to make a difference about that. But if we don't have an equal amount of opening up and listening for life, we may, get, we may go the wrong direction. We may be driving for five years in the wrong way and not producing any results. When if we had just stopped along the way and listened and listened and listened and surrendered to what's wanting to come through. Look, if you're, being, if you're here to be used for some purpose, be used for that purpose. That's great, but it has to be in alignment with life. It can't just be about your small little piece of the map like you were talking about. It really can't be about your limited world. That is, at least if you care about fulfillment and joy and love and success and, and all of these things in a, in a true manner, but it's counterintuitive for many people, especially men and patriarchal notion of driving and set that goal, set that, goal, that, that result and drive. It's a little counterintuitive and requires courage. I think, it, as you said earlier in the interview, it requires maybe more courage to want to be used by life than to go after something. Yeah, yeah, I really do think it takes, it does take a level of courage to surrender. Um, to surrender, there, there might be fear. You know, I think sometimes there is fear when we're called to let go of what we know. There is fear when we're called to let go of things that don't work. There is, there is fear. So I'm a believer that you don't have to not have fear. You don't have to be fearless. You don't have to get rid of fear. That's why the subtitle of the book is finding the courage despite the fear, despite the terror, despite the resistance, finding the courage to let go. See, I believe that the next level of our life really requires the next level of who we are, the next level of ourself, the next version of ourself, the next level of our life will often require that we let go of what is no longer working, that we let go of what's no longer aligned, that we let go of things that aren't truly resonating with who we are today. And when we hold on to uh, things that really aren't aligned, out of comfort, out of fear, out of survival, when we hold on to that which isn't aligned, I find that, that, that not only is it an affirmation of our lack of trust in the universe, uh, and then life will tend to reinforce and reflect to us our fear and our lack of trust. When we hold on to that which isn't working, uh, 
we are actually the ones that are blocking our blessings. And so when we, when we have the courage to let go, and maybe we won't feel incredibly courageous, but even just an openness, even just a moment of, of willingness, okay, I'm willing to let go. It's a beginning. It's going in the direction. And that willingness can lead to another willingness. And I believe that when we go in the direction of what's aligned, when we go in the direction and let go of what's, what's, what's not aligned, and we move in the direction of the energy of life, the flow of life, what's authentic, I believe and I found, I found that life actually supports us. You know, it's, it's amazing. When you write a book about surrender, it's, it's almost as though the universe tests you, right? Uh, I, I just I warn you, if you ever write a book about surrender or anything like, like letting go, you're going to go through a process. And so I don't know if I'll write another book about surrender ever again. Uh, it's been an amazing process. Uh, in the last year, prior to this book, I have left Los Angeles, where I was for 20-some years. I've let go of a house in Los Angeles. I have let go of my office in Los Angeles. I have... I went to Phoenix, spent time in Phoenix. I let go of a relationship with someone I thought I was going to be with forever uh, and have kids with. I have, you know, restructured so much of my life. I mean, just talk about letting go, letting. All of this took a level of courage. I sold my house in Phoenix. I moved to Miami. And so I really feel that when we find the courage to move in the direction of what is true, move in the direction of what is real, that's when we, we unlock the, the, the door to the next level of our life. That's when, and so if anything, we tend to be the ones that are blocking the next level of our life, not the universe. And so it does take courage. It is scary sometimes. But I believe that life is a process of evolution and life doesn't really care about our comfort, even though we care about our comfort. Life cares about our evolution the most. So even though it's scary, even though we're going into the unknown, we have to make peace with the unknown. Even though we're going into the unknown, I think we have to start learning to trust life a little more. We have to start learning to trust what's unfolding a little more. And my belief is always the universe is always working for my highest good. The universe is always working for your highest good, even though you can't see that right now. And the universe, I believe, is always seeking to evolve us, is always seeking to cause us to grow. So even if it's scary, even if we life falls apart, even if things don't happen, even if things don't work, I think so long as we are evolving and so long as we are growing and so long as we are moving in evolutionary direction for our soul's growth, uh, I think that's, that, that's the magic, you know, and when I looked at my mother uh, during the process of her year of, let's just be frank, dying, uh, she demonstrated tremendous courage. I mean, the level of courage that was really inspiring for me. I mean, she had a level of courage. She had a level of uh, surrender. And I think her courage also came because she surrendered. You know, she realized there were things that weren't in her control. She realized there were some things she didn't have power over. She let go. And then she just, I think, just allowed herself to be where she was. And as a result of that, we were able to spend time together and connect together and share together. And, and really, as challenging as it was, enjoy our final moments together, you know. And so that's the beauty. It does, it does take courage to live life. But this is why we're here. We're here to grow and evolve.
Yeah, great, Coot. Thank you so much for that. Um, so the book, uh, Magic of Surrender, is coming out. Uh, can you tell us how our audience might be able to get it or get on a list yeah. again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Depending on when, when people are listening to, listening to this, The Magic of Surrender comes out May the 4th. So if you're listening to this a uh, few days before, you can go to www.themagicofsurrender.com. Uh, find out all the information, watch a trailer, uh, get the book on Amazon. Uh, once you buy the book on Amazon, just enter your name, your email, your, your receipt number. You'll, you'll receive five, six free amazing gifts, including a video training series, potentially a one-day uh, one live virtual seminar, and many, many uh, great free gifts. You can find it all on themagicofsurrender.com. Great. Thank you, Kurt, for it. And thank you just for that, for our audience. I'm sure those, uh, uh, those, those things that, that give them access to, to mm -hmm. understanding this uh, topic and how they can put this into their life and, and, and get empowered to evolve is really, really important. Um, but also thank you for writing the book. Uh, you know, I, I think we, we all have these moments of intense, um, you know, crucible events, you know, losing a parent is definitely one of those. And, and you've been able to take your journey through that and, and create learning for all of us, you know, create something for us to grow through that. And, you know, that's an extraordinary gift. And, and uh, I certainly appreciate that personally. And I'm sure our audience appreciates that too. Uh, well, thank you for the conversation. And, and uh, we uh, look forward to having you back on the Boldly Now show again sometime soon. Thanks for having me.